Hello, Belinda. Hi, Omar. How are you doing today? I'm excited for today's theme. It's card number 12, the Indian paintbrush, joy and presence. Mm, And what's the prompt for today's joy and presence card? When you make time for stillness in the moment, what does joy feel like? What I love about this card is of the 39 cards in the Gratitude Blooming deck, I believe this is the only one that has two words, joy and presence. Why why are there two words for this card? And there's also something very special, which is a hummingbird. That's funny because I thought you were going to say it's the only card in the card deck that has an animal on it, (laughs) which is true as well. I am really excited uh, to share Arlene's story around this one in particular because I actually think that the message from the hummingbird is all about being present enough to truly feel and savor the joy that comes in very unexpected moments of our lives. Yeah, it's interesting that it's easy to focus on a card like joy and presence to immediately jump to joy. It's the first word. It's the instinct in life to be like, I want to be happy. I want to be joyful. But in many ways, presence is about something else. What does stillness mean to you? For me, it's a deeper connection to myself when I can really be quiet enough and and slow my mind down enough to just focus on what's in front of me and really feel it. Yeah, I remember seven years ago when I went on that silent retreat in the hills of Big Sur, and I didn't know if I was going to go crazy or reach enlightenment, but I felt like I needed to be in a place of silence. And honestly, what I remember at the end of those six days is talking to this monk and saying, all I really heard was my impatience. So it's interesting to me that it was stillness and silence that really just showed me how impatient of a human being. You know, and as you know, the monk said to me, the root word for impatience in Latin is patis, which means to suffer. So at that time I was like, oof, Stillness means silence, which just shows me how impatient I am. But of course, like I was just impatient, but I needed the silence to actually hear it. And this is really what then sparked this journey. How do you create stillness in your life on a day-to-day basis? Well, I feel like a common theme that's been coming up in this podcast is the presence of nature in our lives. And For me, nature and my relationship with land and water and all the elements really helps me instantaneously get into the moment. And um, Omar, I'm just having a memory of uh, you coming to Big Island to visit me from Honolulu just uh, last week. And, you know, us sitting by the water and just watching the tide come in and out. And, you know, we didn't have to talk about stillness or presence, you know, we just fell into it because nature demanded it in some ways, you know, it's, it's just that sense of awe and reverence 
that comes just from watching, you know, something in nature happening immediately for me just drops me into this place of like peace and, you know, present, um, being present in the moment because I'm so wrapped up in what I see from nature and how I feel when I'm in nature. We were at this beautiful national park. I was sitting on the lava with my feet in the water and you were in the tide pool just feeling the swirls of the water. And it was so fascinating that we're literally like three feet apart from each other. And yet we're having very (laughs) different experiences. I was feeling very grounded because I'm sitting on this rock. And after we, you know, did our meditation, we had very different experiences because you were actually feeling the waves come in. And I remember when we first sat this huge, just like, like tide came in and it actually brushed up over the rock and hit me. So I knew you must have been feeling it powerfully. And isn't that something where stillness isn't necessarily about being still in the sense of no movement, right? And maybe, and that's why you have the hummingbird on the card is because in some ways, the the beautiful thing about hummingbirds is how fast their wings are moving, and yet how still they look in the air. They can they can hover and pause in a way that I think is unique to birds. Right? They're not having to glide and move in the air. They can actually just sort of beat their wings in such a rapid pace that then they're just present and hovering in the moment. What is that about? What is that sort of paradox between movement and stillness? I feel like it comes back to a word that we often go to, which is wholeness. Um, And it's beautiful to witness hummingbirds when they're resting as well. I mean, they are so still, you know, when they're perched on a tree, just resting. And so in many ways, the hummingbird is probably the expression of the extremes of hyper movement and stillness. And how can we be with both of those things and hold them both, you know, at different points of our lives, acknowledging the cycles that we're in as well. You know, sometimes we do need to move a little faster and go from flower to flower as we're pollinating. And other times, you know, what we need is deep rest and and to not move so fast. So I love how the hummingbird is kind of this teacher around our cycles and embracing both parts of ourselves and our lives. Well, that's what we've been talking a lot about uh, in the last week or so, which is nature reminds us that change is constant. And what is not constant is our ability to change. We get stuck in these ruts and we get in these sort of habits of, of things being in a routine And it's disrupting those routines that then allows us to actually become a little bit more present, right? Because it's easy when we go on autopilot to just get distracted. And I know my brain just floats away. Uh, I'll be sitting at table and people are talking and then all of a sudden my brain is somewhere else. And so to really kind of be present is an active effort. And I love how the origin story of this card literally was this hummingbird that unexpectedly showed up at Arlene's doorstep. 
And it was kind of this like, whoa, stop, pause. Here's something for you to notice. So I love that, you know, how nature can also be that uh, stop sign for us oftentimes. Again, leaning into this idea of nature, that's when, you know, I was sitting in the lava, you were sitting in the tide pool, deeply grounded uh, and yet moving. The other piece that came up to us yesterday was talking to the person who's leading a terrarium workshop. And it's with a large, you know, Fortune 500 type company. And she's doing a workshop and she wanted to introduce the Gratitude Blooming cards uh, to, what is it, like 100 people. And she told us that just holding soil changes your brain. And so that connection to earth and to land uh, is so grounding that it actually changes our brains. It also reminds me of just looking up to the sky, changes our brains to an allocentric, to think of others, versus when we look down, our brains turn to an egocentric point of view and just thinking of self. And so how presence really and being still is really being about connected to the environment around us. I'm actually imagining sort of the tides coming in as sort of a breath in in a meditation. And then we sort of see like what happens to us and then we breathe out. And so then all of a sudden it's this exchange and relationship. It's interesting to me that I was a little nervous about this card, joy and presence, because oftentimes when people start talking about gratitude, it gets very foo-foo and fluffy and, oh, just be joyful and be happy. Um, but really, I think this key to this card is like, how do we actually deal with the quiet? That impatience, those the fears, all those things that we kind of, in some ways, are trying to silence. <laughs> and what does it mean to then pause and to allow those things to emerge and then become sort of open to what is possible? That's the thing about joy is I feel like joy isn't manufactured or created. It's something that is often evoked. But if we're not in sort of a state of mind to be open to that joy, then we can miss it. But at the same time, like we can't actually create it. Like we can go have a beautiful dinner together. And the joyful thing about it might not be the tasty meal. It might just be the experience itself. It might be actually as we were having dinner on the big island and service was incredibly slow. We waited forever <laughs> to get our food. We were starving. And it was actually the joy came with this being able to laugh at how bad the meal was afterwards. Like the joy actually wasn't the meal. It wasn't the time because it was bad food, bad service. But it was so absurd that that's actually where the joy came from. Oh. That makes me laugh thinking back to it, that memory. And, you know, something that you said, too, that, you know, I'm being reminded of, you know, in the circles that we hosted during this pandemic, during shelter in place, when things felt really closed, you know, we were all kind of grounded in our homes for over a year. You know, so many of us had to reckon with, how do I handle the stillness, how do I handle being with myself and all the emotions that come up from just having to be 
with ourselves and not having any, you know, distractions of the outside world all of a sudden and everything's like literally slowing down during this time. So it's just interesting to connect this in with, you know, last week's theme of discovery where we really leaned into the discomfort aspect. And it's interesting how the presence part of this theme can also cause a lot of discomfort and unexpected emotions that come up. I think the word unexpected is a key one because when you read the prompt, when you make time for stillness in the moment, what does joy feel like? For me, joy feels like surprise. It comes in those unexpected moments. I didn't sort of think that something was going to happen. And when it did, it was like, whoa. And and that, like, for me, like, if I were to choose a different word besides joy and presence, I would say joy and delight. Because there's this sort of like, woo, that was fun. I didn't anticipate that happening. Um. And so in some ways, what does it mean to create room for the unexpected in our lives? Yeah, it's funny how at that dinner that I was laughing about, you know, when we were when you were visiting, we would never have predicted that that was the thing that would make us laugh. Right. Like it just kind of happened. And. And we had this moment now to look back on and. And recreate that joy in some ways, right? Through this memory. It is fun. There's this revisiting um, piece. What does it mean to revisit joy? And how do we revisit it in our lives? I'm just thinking right now of the embodiment class that I took last week. And I was just smelling the scent of the plumeria. Uh, which is you know one of the flowers that is ever present here in Hawaii, and just focusing on the scent of the plumeria, and I, my my breath changed because how you breathe in a scent in a flower is just sort of very different than how you just take a normal breath. It's a fuller breath, so you take in the aroma, and I could just feel my stress just sort of lowering just by the memory of breathing in this flower that I picked up off the ground. So it wasn't even like a beautiful flower, like on a branch. It was a flower that had fallen and yet it still had this beautiful fragrance. And I brought it up to my room and I put it in some water and it's just as this reminder to breathe in the scent of stillness, to breathe in this aroma And then the joy that overcomes me just relaxes my stress in a powerful way. And so that's become my regular practice for just pausing and to really embody the moment. Love that. I can feel it as you're talking about it. That's what's cool about gratitude. It's a social emotion. It's something that we can share. It's a a beautiful thing that can transmit from one person to another in a healthy and positive way. The Joy and Presence card is one of the cards in the deck that has an edgier story behind it, and it's the only one that has an animal in it. Every day, I had to find something new to draw, so in a way, each drawing is an artifact of what was happening in life on a specific day in a continuum of a hundred days. Some days I would run into a flower that I knew I wanted to draw. 
Some days I'd work on an ongoing theme, like flowers my parents remembered as kids. And some days, something would happen, and I would react with a drawing. The Joy and Presence card falls in the last category. I came home one day and opened the door to the garden, and right next to the house, I found a dead hummingbird. It was so beautiful and peaceful, but it was terrifying to me to see it lying there. And I was home alone. My husband was away on a trip, and I really did not know what to do. I sat next to it for a while and decided to leave it overnight, to sleep on it so I could really know what it was that I needed to do. As a side note, I later learned from a friend who had a similar experience that hummingbirds can go into torpor a deep sleep-like state, which can make them appear to be dead. The bird she found and thought was dead came back to life when hit with a gust of wind, so I'm glad I let mine sit overnight before trying to bury it. The next morning when I awoke, it's like I knew exactly what to do. I went down to see if it was still there and to convince myself it was not all a dream. It was in the exact place I found it the day before, and still so peaceful and beautiful. I used gloves and paper towels and gently carried it to the garden. I had just started listening to Gabrielle Faure's Requiem in D minor and decided to play it on my phone while I dug a hole by the roses and irises in the yard. I gently set the hummingbird in the earth, placed flowers from this garden where it had lived and said a blessing of gratitude and love to lay it to rest. This hummingbird was given the most gentle and loving burial. Later that day, I made the Joy and Presence drawing. I think I paired the Indian paintbrush with this bird because their wild, natural, fiery beauty seemed to match each other. And the words joy and presence came up because I could feel the joy of this bird and all of nature around us when I was forced to become aware of the transience of this life. And I still feel the hummingbird's presence in my yard and in my life. And it's amazing to me that its spirit can live through these cards to spread its joy and capacity for presence to all who are willing to notice and let it in. And there is an update to the story that is unfolding right now, more than six years later. I had some friends over for the first time since the pandemic began, and we were enjoying a sunny day in the garden when we noticed a gorgeous hummingbird hovering over our heads. It seemed a bit annoyed. They are known to be territorial. And we later noticed that it built a nest on a branch in the garden right by the house. I think the hummingbird is nesting its eggs there because it sits on its nest almost all day. Every morning, I look out the window to make sure she made it through the night, which has been very windy here. So with some luck and grace, we may be the hosts of baby hummingbirds in this magical garden, and maybe I'll find some way to tell them the story of their great-great-great-grandmother or grandfather hummingbird. Well, the good news is uh, I did get a text 
not too long ago with pictures of the baby hummingbirds that had hatched. And I'm so glad that Arlene uh, shared that part of the story because it's a reminder that life and death are all part of the same cycle. And in many ways, remembering that life is a gift helps us uh, tap into that joy and the gifts that life brings, even when it's sad. You know, like there's an opportunity for unexpected joy, even in, in the death in this case. We talked about the difference between planting and burying something before. And the only difference between planting and burying something is intention. And so it's powerful to hear Arlene lay to rest with such grace and intention, this hummingbird. And then to be able to, six years later, see a new hummingbird give birth to more life and presence. It's fascinating. I think in this conversation, there's this paradox of presence where oftentimes we think about it being in this moment. But really, it's a series of moments, right? Like Arlene did this 100-day exercise, and this was just one day of that 100-day exercise. And then these cards were birthed out of that experience. And then these gratitude circles were birthed out of these cards. And this podcast was birthed out of the gratitude circles. And here we are in this moment. But it could have only happened because all those other things had happened. There was such intention and grace and saying, okay, what else can be born out of this moment? not even knowing what was going to happen. Arlene was just trying to get through 100-day art exercise. (laughs) He said, let's just create these cards. We said, let's create these circles. And now we're here. And so it's kind of exciting to sort of think about six years from now, what, what might become possible. What joy might unfold. And maybe we can plant things, bury things to grow new life, to grow joy beyond what we can even imagine. Yeah, I appreciate that perspective on time. And, you know, maybe too the pain and suffering that we feel at any given moment, like that can also be composted in an unexpected way that then creates an opportunity that brings joy and possibility. And what I love about nature and all the cycles of nature, of life, is that dance of like life and death and, and how we can hold all of that together. Last year... In my seven-day fast and meditation, I was focusing on the Anapanasati Sutta, 
And when we were at that national park on the Big Island, I shared the last four of the 16 contemplations, which are about impermanence, fading away, cessation, and relinquishment. And I feel like the cycles of life really embrace that, right? How we sort of acknowledge one form turns into another, and we allow that sort of fading away, that cessation where it sort of, it dies, but then the relinquish it to become something else. Who knew that that bird dying would relinquish space for this moment? And I love that we can hear birds behind you. <laughs> so, We're like, yes, that's what we keep trying to tell you guys. Exactly. We're not listening. So what other gratitude circle stories are we going to hear today? I love that, I, you know, at the beginning of this, I shared that the way that I was going to try to think about the word prayer was through presence. And so the fact that this last card is just saying like joy and presence are part and parcel to each other. And I love the idea of prayer as joy and presence. And, you know, and, and this is like, I don't know how many um, illustrations you have, Belinda, in this deck with a bird in it. But the hummingbird. Fact, yeah, the hummingbird. Like, I think there's just this beauty of this, like, opening up. You see, the, you know, the hummingbird with its wings just sort of spread out. And so I just, you know, maybe that's what happens. And I just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm vibing on the joy and presence. It's funny that we're talking about moments that link to the present. And it's fun to remember that gratitude circle from a time that feels very far away from now. And to reconnect with the feeling of joy in a prayerful way like you mentioned in the circle you know it's like it's this unexpected delight that you just can't manufacture and it feels like it's a gift from from nature it's 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 beyond us it's bigger than us yeah, I, I'm, I'm having a slightly meta moment hearing my own voice from a reflection a while ago and I love that this idea of prayer was what I was focusing on at that moment. And I forgot who said it, but if you only say one prayer, make it a thank you. And so just to really be in this space of, of gratitude is to just make visible what we appreciate, to notice what is good, uh, and to not define good in a limited way, right? Like, it was... This death is what birthed this moment of that hummingbird. And so it's really this expansive uh, appreciation for how we are present to what is happening in the world and how much our brains can sort of default to, oh, no, not this. Um, and even the word prayer is provocative for some people. Um, I know for myself, even sometimes I'm like, ah, do I really want to say prayer? What does that really mean? Um, it has so many different connotations for different people. Um, 
But if I just think about prayer as a thank you, well, then there's just a beauty and gentleness in that uh, that should not, there's no stigma uh, attached to just saying thank you. Just having a lot of gratitude right now for everything that is given to us by nature. Just, it's incredible how much of our lives come from the earth and everything that is given to us by nature and all the lessons that come from that. And I'm just go back to the prompt. When you make time for stillness in the moment, what does joy feel like? And it's so easy to be busy. In some ways, being busy is like what we're taught. It's what busy means productive. Busy means getting things done. But busy is also an escape. It's a way to forget. It's a way to disconnect. And that's what kind of nature is this constant reminder. It doesn't care if we're busy. It doesn't care if we think we need to get things done. It doesn't care. It's indifferent. As what you and I actually talked a little bit about is that nature is really indifferent to our feelings. And if we want to be busy, then sure. But things are going to happen to disrupt it. And how do we then handle it, right? COVID, right? The pandemic, this virus did not care about our schedules and our lives and our economy and our healthcare systems and vaccinations and masks. It's just here it is. But we're then given the opportunity is to see how do we want to respond? Do we want to respond with fear? Do we want to respond with compassion? Do we want to respond like, hey, this is my independent life? Or do I want to be actually taking care of other people? That this mask isn't just for me. This is actually for someone else. You and I have been hosting a series of gratitude circles for healthcare workers. And I remember the one where uh, it was with the uh, pediatrician ICU unit. And the word that we pulled was beautiful sadness. And I was like, oh my God, what a difficult set of words for this ICU unit. And they just shared how after like 263 days, they lost one of the kids. And they hadn't actually been given time to grieve. And it's this, you know, irony that these healthcare workers aren't really given a lot of space to take care of their own health. They're so busy trying to show up for others. And so to me, uh, this reminder of nature, the pandemic, this virus, okay, how do we actually live our lives in a way that allows us to be resilient, that allows us to be compassionate, that allows us to just uh, be grateful for each and every moment? I think in this time, we have all been challenged with simplicity. What really matters in life? And yet, how can we celebrate the simple everyday blessings and in stillness, finding joy? All of this for me relates to my inquiry of making room for authenticity and how finding compassion for self creates compassion for others. I think you find these in stillness. Mm, I love this uh, reflection from our Saturday journaling circle. 
it's uh shows a lot of what omar you talked about with interconnectedness you know this time in particular is being teaching us to be more aware of how our love for ourselves impacts you know other people you know impacts how much we can love others and how making space to be still for ourselves can greatly impact our relationships with others in ways that we possibly don't even know. And the relationship between stillness and simplicity doesn't need to be complicated. One of my favorite poems relates to the sidewalk and how the sidewalk is where both the mundane and the miraculous can happen. The sidewalk is where we can just run errands or have epiphanies. And when we can just appreciate a sidewalk and just this mundane, boring piece of infrastructure, so much is possible. I'm actually remembering I live, I live about four blocks from my mom's house. And one day I was walking with my youngest daughter from Papa's house, as she calls grandma, to our house. And I said, what are you grateful for? And Kenzie said, this sidewalk. I said, why are you grateful for this sidewalk? She said, if we didn't have this sidewalk, we'd be walking in the street and it wouldn't be safe. And so I'm grateful that we have this safe space to walk. And so when a child or a poet can help us just lift up the mundane so we can see the magical, that's what joy feels like. Joy can be simple. I love that. I almost think that it has to be simple. (laughs) (laughs) I think if you try to make joy complicated, it's no longer joyful. I've always felt like the space that we created uh, in this writing process, uh, this spiritful process of creating the living altar, that we were extremely vulnerable with each other. So when we showed up, our spirit showed up. You know, and sometimes the physical capsule here can, it can be a barrier for us to really to be very vulnerable with each other and to to say, for example, your spirit. I receive your spirit. And so then when our spirits are aligned and then what we're able to exchange with each other along the journey, right? Um, someone said to me the other day, the ancestors gives us wisdom like in breadcrumbs, you know, and it's something that you could say like in this exchange that I leave and I'm feeling so full but it's almost there has to be an unfolding or an undressing of ego, right? To get to the spirit matter, the spirit matter, the discourse. This community that I'm collaborating with is releasing a digital exhibit with Mokata, the Museum of Contemporary African Diaspora and Art in Brooklyn. And when she said, the ancestors leave us these breadcrumbs, it made me immediately think of the hummingbird. 
The hummingbird was this breadcrumb. And the word spirit is also like prayer can be provocative for some. But in Latin, it just means spiritus, which means to breathe. And what is stillness? But just pausing to breathe and be present in the moment. Makes me think, too, that in that moment, there's an opening that happens in our hearts that can feel very vulnerable. You know, what this story makes me think of is how tender it is to be that open in your heart. And I wonder how it was for Arlene at that time, six years ago, you know, just experiencing this unexpected hummingbird that, you know, passed in front of her door and just being available and open to that gift and the discomfort and the sadness that also, you know, it caused. And, and I also appreciate how she gave herself a night to just be with that and, you know, it, it just feels very tender and and how, you know, the process of creating this beautiful burial for the hummingbird created the beauty and the joy that emerged into this card. And very much, you know, this energy and of spirit, you know, this thing that's beyond us that creates that awe and that joy and can't be replicated or recreated in the same way every time. It's both beyond us, but also within us. I think of stardust, right? Like we are literally made of the same things, the stars. And then there's this beautiful relationship between tenderness and tending. When she, Arlene, tended to that hummingbird, she became tender. And what we attend to, what we pay attention to, what do we connect to, what are we aware of, we can kind of only do that when we pause and really create room for that stillness. And the cool thing about stillness is it doesn't need to be like an hour-long meditation. It can be in just one simple breath And the breath then becomes this sort of portal to stillness. And just paying attention to the breathing in, the breathing out, the paying attention to the water coming in and the water going out, the appreciation of just one thing becoming another. And that's really what anything is happening, right? One thing is just becoming another. And it's only when our brains create these sort of false sort of walls, that things become static, that we think that we can some kind hold back time or hold back what's going to happen. It's a little bit of foolishness. And it's a little bit of, I think you even said ego uh, that we have. And and really then what do we, uh, ego is trying to sort of protect itself. But in protecting itself, it actually can make us uh, more vulnerable to large scale change, right? Like the pandemic. We built all these systems that were really actually at the end of the day, pretty vulnerable. 
And so how do we sort of create room for things to become means we have to be a little less uh, egocentric, a little less looking down and a little bit more Mm. looking up at the sky. I love how nature is constantly reminding us, you know, even if we get too busy or we forget, you know, there's always something in nature that is a reminder. And one thing I want to share too about the Indian paintbrush or the paintbrush plant is I started to become more acquainted with, with it after Arlene sketched this drawing and I noticed actually that it it grows a lot on on our retreat land in Mount Shasta Uh, every year in the late summer early fall they start to come up and it's just amazing to see them with their vibrant red color you know very much like how you know hummingbirds show up sometimes with their colorful necks and I remember there were times when, you know, my mind would get so cluttered with worries and anxiety or fear, you know, especially during this time of such great uncertainty. And I would just say, okay, just stop. Let's just go for a walk. And as I would walk the land, you know, sometimes I'd be looking out, other times maybe up depending on the weather and then other times just seeing, you know, what are the wildflowers that are, you know, emerging on the land and, you know, every season it was a different gift from nature. And when I would see the paintbrush emerging, it was just such a reminder of take a pause now, like really stop to look at this, you know, it's like red, like a stop sign. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like inviting me to to this uh, stillness. And I think it's because of the card that I now link it to stillness. And it's just interesting how meaning gets, you know, deepened and redefined over time as we make new memories and like you were saying in the beginning, you know, it's like one thing leads to another thing, which leads to another thing. And all of a sudden it's a different landscape than what you started with. That's Dave Chappelle's things. Make memories. (laughs) Right. And that's beautiful reminders. The paintbrush is a reminder. The hummingbird is a reminder to just pause and either enjoy the scent and the smell or look up or as a friend told me we're not actually looking up we're looking out we're on this hurtling rock through space and it's not up it's actually out and that we're connected to something much bigger truly than us and yet we're also made of stardust so for this week's practice of noticing what do we what do you have in store for us belinda Well, I was sitting with uh, the prompt leading up to today, and I felt like stillness needed to be part of our practice. So for this week, I invite you to really contemplate a place in nature that is significant to you. So it can be a tree that you see every day, that you walk by, that you feel connected to can be a garden that you tend to, 
It could even be a plant in your home. So any significant piece of nature, I want you to connect with that throughout the week. And just take a moment to pause and notice this piece of nature. And just breathe with it. And from that place of presence, feel what joy is like in that place of presence. It could be that that moment reminds you of something that brought joy and delight. Or it could just be the feeling of peace that comes over you from being in that moment. Just an invitation this week to continue to revisit a piece of nature that's close to you and just notice with the passing of time how it feels and what you notice or what memories it brings up for you. I'm going to keep picking up flowers from the plumeria tree and appreciating its scent. And I think I'm going to also look at the tree a bit more. I've been very focused on the flowers on the ground that I can pick up and smell the scent of. But the branches are so high and I can't reach the plumeria flowers that are in the tree. But I'm just still going to look up and appreciate them a little bit more. And and then use that as a moment to sort of see how I feel. Thank you for that beautiful invitation to a practice this week that can help us disrupt our habits and create new room for the becoming of things. Appreciate you, Melinda. Appreciate you too. Really enjoying our collaboration. And I love that the word enjoy has joy in it. And we appreciate you listening to our Gratitude Blooming podcast. Thank you for joining us. Cheers. Cheers.